Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future Technologies, poised to transform our lives for better or worse, are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. This is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. Today, speaking with Sean Dennis, uh, the co-founder and chief happiness officer of Loyal.com. It's L-O-Y-Y-A-L.com. And what it appears that Loyal does is they use blockchain technology and smart contracts uh, to enhance the experience of using uh, loyalty cards at different retail locations. Um, Welcome to the podcast. Do I have that correct, Sean? Is that a correct description? Uh, There or thereabouts, yeah. I'll, I'll expand on it anyway. But no, thanks very much for having me. Okay. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, yeah, so that would be the first question. Is um, I guess I, I haven't picked up exactly on what Loyal does, but tell me um, how you provide infrastructure to this industry and what you do. Perfect. Yeah, no worries. No, it's it's sort of a little bit difficult to get your head around at first because we're not really a we're not a B two C company. We're more B two B to C. So we enable businesses to target their consumers in a better way. So effectively, Loyal is. Well, we aim to be the universal loyalty and rewards platform or sort of infrastructure platform built using blockchain and smart contract technology. So the idea behind it is we want to pioneer the use of distributed ledger protocol, which is blockchain, and smart contract tech in the loyalty and rewards industry. Basically, blockchain reduces costs significantly by removing the need for almost all trust-enabling infrastructure. The existing loyalty industry itself is around $117 billion. So not a small, not a small industry that's in need of, uh, sort of a lot of updating. Uh, we identified this when we first came up with the idea for loyal. I'd love to say we came up with it straight away, um, but it was definitely a, a long and arduous path to get there. Uh, but we're, we're here now and it's, uh, it, it's really gaining a lot of traction, which is good. So in, from a bigger picture sort of point of view and to where it gets really exciting, where it goes beyond just your, your sort of standard loyalty and rewards is we facilitate the incentivization of any value generating behavior as interaction between agents and any economy. What this means is agents can be real world or virtual world merchants, consumers, humans, artificial intelligence, et cetera. It doesn't just have to be your standard, uh, I guess, purchasing goods or service. The platform is behavior agnostic, so it could be for rewarding people for driving safely or for exercising. <clears throat> as long as that data can be fed into uh, into the program, then that action can be rewarded. Uh, so you get far beyond just loyalty for, for purchasing things, which is good. Loyal is the well, first um, kind, I guess. Oh, yeah, sorry, go for it. Yeah, just you know, so I can understand it and listeners can. Let's start with a real simple example. You know, I go to a coffee shop. And in the old days, I had a punch card, you know, and then my 10th, my 10th purchase, I get a free coffee. So how does that look like instead under the loyal system? How does that work? Yeah, and um, those, those will still always exist for sort of a small to medium enterprises, I guess. Uh, the, what, what's difficult with those is there's relatively little to no information uh, gained from the consumer's behavior for the operator. And it doesn't necessarily make you come back uh, unless you're going to go there anyway. So it, it's it's less of a loyalty thing and uh, 
more of a basic reward sort of scheme, I guess, there. What we do is we plug into existing, either existing uh, front ends um, that face the, face the consumer, for example, or help develop new ones with them um, using the new capabilities that we do. But using smart contracts, effectively, we can allow the operator to target the consumer dynamically depending on their preferences, their location, their family situation, let's say, or their past spending behavior, and basically allow the consumer to feel more valued because they're getting more of a boutique type service. And then on the part, so they're more likely to come back, more likely to feel loyal and, and, uh, and valued by the, by the operator. And then on the operator side, <clears throat> again, lower costs through using blockchain and it's eliminating friction or a lot of the friction, as well as increased profits and revenues by having a more valued and loyal customer base who are more likely to spend something. Imagine if you've got 10,000 points in your wallet right now, and I've got 10,000 points. You and I are very different people. Our spending behavior is different. I don't know how old you are, but we may be very different ages. Um, right. Therefore, we should get treated in different ways, and we would expect that. When you walk into a small shop that the, the manager knows who you are, He's, he's going to be able to give you that service. Whereas when you walk into somewhere, a, a sort of a multinational retailer, they can't do that. Whereas using right. smart contracts, you can get given that effectively that boutique service or customization down to the fact that they might have known that you haven't bought a barbecue if you usually buy your barbecues from, from there in four years and the summer's coming up. So maybe you'll get targeted to, to purchase that, if that makes sense. So, uh, so almost an example may be um, like a big grocery store chain that's nationwide, let's say, or, a, you know, let, let's, let's have a, what's a specific use case where it's being used? And I think it'll help to just define exactly what goes on and how it's different. Yeah. Actually, no, and and what, one we've used uh, a sort of a few times in, in, uh, in when we've been working with a couple of our partners, Deloitte is one of them, um, for, for some pictures that we've done, is within the airline industry, which is a huge loyalty program uh, user, I guess. Uh, let's look at American Air Miles or American Advantage, for example. Let's say yeah. you, you earn your points there. <clears throat> you then arrive in New York. You want to go and spend your points at, uh, at a new hotel. Currently, a lot of the time, because it's using legacy infrastructure, your points don't hit your account right away. They take quite a while, so you probably won't be able to spend them right away. Using uh, the loyal infrastructure, they can be done in near uh, real time, so you would be able to spend them. Uh, because our wallets, uh, we basically allow American to be the master rewards application holder, and they can integrate the various different redemption partners into their system very easily rather than taking a long process so they can talk to each other using using the blockchain very simply so i can go into let's say it's the hilton for example and spend my aa miles uh, direct with hilton whereas before i would have had to go onto the american marketplace so we're allowing them to cut out a uh, a step in the process for the consumer which is always a good thing uh, so we're simplifying the process for you um, in addition to this, what you are able to do that now, uh, obviously going through the American marketplace, but you lose a massive amount of value. I haven't got the figures in front of me, but let's say we, we've run through a, a sort of a living example where we did this. And the value of your points when you redeem them with a or cross redeem them with a partner rather than with uh, the issuer 
can be something like 70% loss in value, wow. uh, which is huge. Um, and more and more people are starting to realize that has become more and more educated. Now that's down to a number of things. One, um, due to the cost of allowing for that cross redemption, i.e. American Advantage talking, or sorry, American talking to Hilton. They're two different bodies that do not trust each other. There has to be a lot of uh, reconciliation and work done in order for communication to be done. So whilst it may look seamless on the front end for the consumer, relatively seamless, uh, it's very difficult, complicated and expensive on the back end. We allow that to be done effectively frictionlessly because they share that same one platform. So simply by okay. issue, allowing or permissioning um, Hilton with a wallet to accept American points, that, that it's as easy as that. So we reduce to almost zero the cost of allowing for that cost redemption. The other half that I sort of mentioned, so or ma major part of the loss in uh, loss in the value of those that point, is down to them wanting to reduce their liability on their balance sheet. Right now, they owe you ten thousand dollars, for example. If they can say, "Hey, we're going to give you more options, but we're going to reduce the value of your points," you'll you'll take that. So instead of owing them owing you ten thousand dollars, now they only owe you five thousand, for example. That's something we that, that's down to the the business or the operator itself. Uh, I guess, policies and wants, depending on how quickly they want you to be redeeming these points. Obviously, if suddenly your points become a lot worth a lot more with Hilton, you're going to start redeeming them a lot more. Um, and they don't necessarily want that. So they, there's, there's a term called breakage. Uh, for those not familiar, it's, <clears throat> it's basically the amount of points out there in the world that will never be redeemed. Uh, at the moment, it's estimated around 30%, which is a lot lower than you might think it would be, uh, but they want to protect, protect that breakage. The, I mean, companies like American Express have well over $7 billion worth of liability on their balance sheets, um, which are owed to, uh, to point holders. If there was a sudden rush on the bank, i.e. what I'm saying here where we can make it easier for consumers to spend, they would suddenly cash out all that liability, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily be good for them. So that's why the smart contracts allow them to well, or have liability management capabilities that are far stronger than they have now as well. So not only can we make it easier for consumers to spend, but we do make it far more reactive for the operators as well. So the power is very much put into their hands. I think a big misconception with, with blockchain when it sort of first came about is it's very much taking the power away from the operators which is why it, uh, I guess it gained a lot of traction initially, at least. Um, <clears throat> that's what we wanted to be doing. That's what everyone, everyone wanted to do. We didn't trust the big operators or the big banks. Uh, now, in order to get actual usage, I think it needs to be a bit of a give, give and take uh, sort of situation. All right, well, we'll and, get to these, these yeah. points in a second. Um, yeah. <laughs> let me back up a little bit. So just, just to break it down real simple, the reason why this reduces costs so much for, you know, for, let's say, uh, American Airlines, AA Advantage, and Hilton is because you've got a distributed ledger out there that everyone can see and everyone can know, okay, great. Um, these points will be redeemed. We see them right away in the ledger. There's no asking, you know, one company asking the other, how many redemptions did you get? We needed to report back on it. It sounds like it simplifies this reporting and it makes it all transparent and, you know, up to date in time. Effectively, yes, that, that is, that's a very good way of looking at it. So in, because they all share this one, this one ledger or this one platform, think of it almost like uh, 
back in the day, oh, well, originally a lot of these things are standalone islands or standalone programs. Effectively, when they communicate with each other, they were having to send snail mail to each other. They were then having to verify that that was getting done properly. Now, uh, now it's almost like it's the internet, or we are the internet for providing that protocol where they're all on that same thing and they're sending emails to each other. So it's near instant verification of it. From, a, from an accounting okay. perspective, it's hugely interesting. Um, and yeah, that's what makes a big difference. So, so increasing, uh, increasing revenues through smart contracts, set up effective and cost-efficient redemption networks. We make it easier for them to integrate new partners. Uh, traditionally, it's very difficult. Let's say you're the CEO of Starbucks and you suddenly decide you want to bring in uh, Target into your redemption network, for example, with your points. It's very right. difficult, cumbersome, and complicated to do. We can't cut out the human relationship need of uh, having to go there, strike up the deal, and then deciding where the different liabilities sit. But what we can do is making it that much easier for the integration process and cheaper to do. So not only is it easier to start, easier to run, easier to shut down if it doesn't work. So in, you've seen in general retail, the popularity of things like pop-up shops coming up now. <clears throat> um, there can be pop-up redemptions as well. Like you've got Christmas coming up. You know that your consumers value uh, buying sweatshirts, for example, for this three-week period. Uh, you can integrate a, a sweatshirt producer. I'm using a stupid example there, so apologies. But um, you, can, you can bring in partners into your redemption network that are applicable for a specific time of year, a one weekend event, uh, Thanksgiving, for example, and then shut those okay. down. You wouldn't have been able to afford mm. to do that uh, or it wouldn't have been worth the time. Now you can bring in 10,000 just for a weekend and then, and then shut them down and start again next year kind of thing. So we, we allow that. We give them more advanced rewards liability management tools. That's what I, I sort of touched upon there as well with the smart contracts so everything can be done dynamically. Uh, in okay. terms of consumer outreach, dynamic rewards issuance and redemption. So that's when we spoke about the points treating you differently in your wallet than they will do on mine. Um, that's in terms of redemption. But issuance as well, you'll get specific uh, points because the temperature is higher today or because we know it's a long weekend coming up. Those rules can be written in specifically. Uh, there is no limit to the number of rules they can write. And combining this with things like um, uh, big data and machine learning uh, capabilities now, there's no end to the amount of information they can have on us uh, and to be able right. to give us that extra, extra sort of better service. So that's going to help give increased customer satisfaction, maximize generation of, we call it loyalty capital effectively. There's a value of loyalty when you have uh, when you have some people who will always shop with you then there's no end of benefits basically for the consumer and for for the operators alike if that makes sense yeah so you, earlier on you estimated that uh, about 70% of the value of someone's points is often lost when they go to redeem them with another vendor what do you estimate the savings is the operational savings for people that have these programs you know the offerers of the programs when they use uh, loyalist technology. It said use as. I mean, and again, using that as a rough estimation, about about half of that. It's difficult to put a okay. figure on because it depends how old and originally when it was done. But we can basically reduce the entire operating cost of of allowing for that to happen, and then the That's rest of the charge okay. is purely for the for the operator to decide how much they want to how often they want us to redeem. So yeah, it really puts a lot and of power back into their hands. 
And how much, um, how big does an operator need to be in order to qualify for your platform or to make it worthwhile to use? <clears throat> yeah, that's a difficult one in the minute. Obviously, we're we're young and newish. We've been going for two years now, and we've really just now started to, uh, I guess, blow up as such. Uh, we've aimed for ten pilots that we want to be doing in 2017, and then probably okay. going uh, go, going up from there. We're 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 looking at large multinational operators because those are the guys we can really make a big difference to. Um, right. Obviously, eventually, what we want to be doing is not just large operators, but SMEs as well. Uh, but at this stage, well, we need to build out all the different capabilities. We need to be doing that with uh, with sort of the larger operators. So the idea is we will become the Internet of loyalty. Uh, it's actually a phrase that we trademark just for fun. Um, and we want everyone to be plugged into it. We don't even need to well, we get to a stage in order to sort of scale where we don't need to know who's plugging into it. It's going to be much like building a website on the internet. You don't need to go and find the person who created the internet. You just pay someone to build your website to go onto the internet. That, that's sort of that, that's our aim. Uh, we're already working with a number of um, like Vars value-added value resellers. Um, Deloitte okay. is is sort of one of them. PwC. Uh, we've actually partnered with uh, IBM now as well on sort of the tech side. But Deloitte have been fantastic over in uh, over in the US. <clears throat> and PwC, we're talking with in depth in in the Middle East. But they're they're um, able to then go out there and resell what we're doing or what our platform does to to other people. A big question: What about ownership of the customer data? You know, if I'm AA Advantage and I have all my customer data and I allow other people onto my network, you know, to give them loyalty points and all that. Who owns the customer data? What if some data is acquired by Hilton that's not owned by yep. AA Advantage or vice versa? What happens there? Great question. You've obviously done this for a long time. Um, yes. No, that is something we're very aware of. Loyal has been built with enterprise use in mind right from the beginning. So we are acutely aware of the needs and wants uh, of, of some companies and their desire for privacy. Um, it's one of the reasons why we have built a permissioned blockchain rather than a permissionless, permissionless being something like Bitcoin or Ethereum blockchain, for example. Um, that is in order for companies to qualify for their AML, for their KYC and ATL uh, regulations, as well as PII, like privacy stuff. So they know okay. every node on the network is identified um, and they will be part of it and they will choose to identify themselves because they want to be part of the program. So you have Overstock, you have Hyatt, you have Hilton. They will have their node on their network. All their information is held privately within, within their database, not on the blockchain. So no information is put out there for competitors or unknown parties to see, if that makes sense. Yeah, and and as, a, as a customer, you know, I wouldn't feel even more uneasy because, you know, my data is with one person. You know, what if I suddenly perceive my data as being shared with many companies? You know, I'd probably feel even more upset about my loss of privacy. So it's great that it keeps it like this. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's uh, so the, the master, we call it the rewards application, the master rewards application holder, let's say it's advantage in this in this case, is the one who controls everything. He will then, they will then bring partners into their economy, I guess. We call it a token tree, so everything branches off from the master, and all information is held within his. The partners don't have to give up any of their information. 
just them being part of the issuance or redemption network of, of Advantage, for example. So, yeah, all, all, all done with that in mind. Okay. And then um, just for a moment, back to the issue of breakage. So, you know, obviously if a company has, you know, a significant breakage, 30%, 50%, they don't want to suddenly, they don't want that to go away. So again, how does this program um, help them address that issue and still, you know, not, not have a problem with breakage? Yeah, now breakage is a funny one. You've got to, it, it does depend who you're talking to. I find companies over in the U.S. want to protect their breakage and companies over in Europe and the Middle East a lot more value the customer's opinion of, uh, of, of their program. So when you've got high levels of breakage, what that's effectively saying is that customers don't value your, value your brand. So it's like me giving you 10,000 points to come and spend in my shop and you not really bothering to come and spend them. That means so whilst I've given them away and I've saved money as an operator because you're not going to spend them. So I owe you $500, let's say, but you're never going to claim it. Uh, right. So whilst that, that's effectively brokerage. So whilst that's great for me, it means I don't have to give you stuff for free. It means that you don't value my program or you don't value my brand. You're going to go somewhere else. So effectively, it means loyalty program isn't working. So whilst we do want to give, yeah, and, that, and that's why breakage is a funny one. There's, there's also, you, you can't have a sudden run on the bank effectively where you get rid of everything. But what we want to do is where using smart contracts, these companies can actually protect their breakage to a sustainable, I guess, a sustainable amount or where they reduce it gradually whilst mm -hmm. controlling the amount of redemption that happens. So whilst you can give consumers a, a sort of better and more valued service, you can then reduce the point values uh, according to demand as it goes up and up or down, for example. Um, so we, we aim to very much put the power in the operator's hands in order to manage their liability. Because I mean, a lot of these guys, loyalty programs were designed in the 80s, uh, and, and, and or 90s uh, by the marketing managers as a marketing tool um, without the CFO uh, involved. And they have developed hmm. into their own economies. Uh, and as I mentioned with American Express, Credit Saison's got how many billions as I mean, they A lot of these guys are floating liabilities big enough to sink the company in a small downturn uh, wow. if, there was a, if there was a sudden run on, run, run on, I'm using the term run on the bank, but run on the, on the points, for example. So they really have to be very careful and they do need better liability management tools, which they currently don't have. And that's what smart contracts can provide to them. Effectively. Um, yeah, I'm going to ask you about smart contracts next, but what's, what's one quick example of how um, you know, someone wants to redeem points and then you give them something else, you, you sort of downscale the offer of what they get, like you said, managing the, uh, the breakage. Yeah, so for example, example. So, so I mean, if, yeah, I mean, if, you, if I've given you, if I've given you 10,000 points right now and you can, if you redeem them with me, I've got to give you the full 10,000 points, or sorry, 10,000 points value. I actually, whereas if you go to my friend's shop next door, for example, uh, because I'm providing you that extra choice, I can actually reduce the value of those points, let's say to half, just for, just for the sake of ease. I can reduce the sake of those points. So I actually want you to go and spend them over there because if, it, if you come and redeem them with me, I have to give you full value. If you redeem them with him, I have to give you 50% of your value. 
So I want yeah. you to go there. So if I can target you, again, a smart contract capability, for example, to go there, then better. Now, let's say too many people, or if I make it too easy for people to redeem those points over there, maybe you wouldn't have redeemed them at all ever uh, before, but because using, right. say, our technology, you've made it really easy, or I've made it really easy for you to redeem those points. Now there's a bit of that run on the bank that I was talking about. You can then dynamically reduce the value of those points because I can say, oh, demand's gone up for these points, like fivefold, okay, reduce it by this much, uh, rather than, which they're currently relying on, something like a six-month correction. Uh, they can't react quick enough. And when we're in mm. uncertain economic times, as we are right now, uh, nothing happens, but let's say there's a slight downturn in the economy, uh, what suddenly becomes a little bit more important to you uh, that wasn't before, when you don't have quite so much cash in your pocket, is the points that you've got. Right. Uh, so with these big liabilities, these guys suddenly, well, the consumers suddenly start spending their points. They're not going to be able to, they're not able to react quick enough in order to reduce, say, the value of those points or make it harder to, harder to spend them in order to battle the fact that everyone's spending these points. Our technology gotcha. allows okay. them to do that very quickly, yeah. Have you, you said um, some companies want to preserve the breakage, some don't mind. Have you seen evidence or studies that show that it helps your brand and it helps engagement if you do work to actively reduce your breakage? Yeah, I mean, and breakage kind of goes hand in hand with with people valuing your brand more. Because I mean, if 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 I value a brand, then I'm more likely to go there and spend my points and look to earn points. Therefore, breakage okay. wouldn't be quite so high, for example. Um, but yeah, it, it's funny. And again, depending geographically, I have noticed, especially we we spent a lot of time in the Middle East in Dubai <coughs> recently with my company, um, and the the attention to breakage there or um, or liability is far less than it is uh, when you come back over to the U.S. They're very much mm -hmm. focused on how do we make the customer feel as and again cheesy word happy and likely to come back as possible. Um, I mean, there's a reason it Dubai is a sort of a city or places done done in 30 years what it took every other city in the world sort of seven or eight generations to achieve. Um, they do very much okay. focus on uh, on sort of well, well-being of, of consumers and, and sort of happiness again. <laughs> okay, very good, very good. So what, all right, what is a smart contract and how does it work? You know, is it a real basic level? Right, at a basic level. So, I guess to to start right from scratch, I'll, I'll explain probably our stack, I guess, is how we've done it, and then how the smart contract applies into it from sort of a non-tech point of view. So okay. it, we've built our full tech stack, call it the AVCP, or Abstracted Value Consensus Protocol. So you have the distributed ledger layer on the bottom. Um, we've got that as a permissioned version of the Ethereum blockchain at the moment. But just want to point out our stack is blockchain agnostic, so we've future-proofed it. Effectively, you can adapt depending on as technology develops or something else better comes along. We can take out that distributed ledger and adapt a different one. It will always be permissioned, but for example, we're, we're part of the Hyperledger project, which is uh, a group of tech companies, including IBM and uh, many of the other large household, household technology company names and they're working up a solution as well. So in, we can always explore possibilities like that. So we use the notion of gas, which is similar to Ethereum. Um, I don't know if any, again, your listeners may, may or may not know a little bit about this, but that gas has no value 
but it's what keeps the blockchain running. So it's simply passed between the different nodes. The value token, which is effectively the point which has value to you or I as the consumer, isn't inserted later. And that's what comes in at the, sort of the smart contracts and rewards application layer. And that's inserted by the operators specifically putting the money in there. So what we've done is abstracted that value leak. So you see with Ethereum and with Bitcoin, for example, they have that value leak where uh, miners need to be paid for mining the next block. Right. Um, I, yeah, and that's why, that's why people mine. So we, again, as a loyalty platform, people mine because they want to be part of the program. Um, that they're operating in. So, so that, that's the incentive there, for example. So we've able, we're able to use two tokens, one gas, which has no value, the second one, which is inserted in with the operator in order to sort of maintain that level of value. You would never want to give away a point to one of consumers that might go up or down in value, for example. Um, right, again, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Things that we played around with for months and months while we were coming up with this, uh, the whole idea for this company. Uh, yeah, it was not was not an easy path to get here. <laughs> um, but yeah, so where was I with that? So that allows us to satisfy enterprises, KYC, AML, ATF needs, and things like that as well as what we touched on. Touched on. Um, on so, top um, of that, oh, sorry, a okay. smart contract has a pre. So, so when you're setting up this layer, it's it, a transaction has a predefined value for a specific operator. Is that what you're saying? So it doesn't fluctuate. The value doesn't fluctuate. It's it's predefined. Yeah, the value right? would never fluctuate. Yeah, exactly. Ten thousand points. Let's say that each point is worth a dollar just for ease. Then ten thousand points is worth ten thousand dollars. They don't want to give you ten thousand dollars worth of points and the value of it accidentally tomorrow go up to thirty thousand dollars and right. suddenly they they owe you thirty thousand dollars. It just it wouldn't sort of fly. Uh, it's not it's not what they're in the business of doing. Um, right. they, they wouldn't be able to fit like foot that risk, I guess, as such. So yes, the value is set by them, and that's why using smart contracts, they can then, depending on your situation, time of day, whatever it is, cross-redemption, for example, they can then reduce those or increase the value of those points. So yeah, let's say the smart contract would allow that operator to say, hey, you're walking into, I'm trying to think, sorry, I'm English, I'm trying to think of a, like sure. a weekend tool store that you might go and buy a barbecue in in the States. Lowe's probably, Lowe's? Yeah. Yeah, Lowe's. Uh, so, so what, what you're saying is an, an operator can also modulate the exchange rate, I guess is one way to put it, of a um, of a point with other vendors in the network. Well, the exchange, yeah, the exchange value, I guess, yeah. So value, they, they could, value, yeah. yeah. So within their own, because it doesn't need to be within other partnerships, it could be within their own uh, acceptance of it as well. So, yeah, you walk into Lowe's, they know that you've got $1,000 worth of points in your, uh, in your wallet, and they want to incentivize you to spend. They know or it's, it's a long weekend. That rule can be fed in there, and it's, plus, it's over 35 degrees, and they know you haven't bought a barbecue in six months. All that data is there at their fingertips. So without getting too deep into it, that, it can be written in there where it then targets you as a general consumer to say, hey, double redemption, so now your points are worth twice as much if you purchase this barbecue on this day, expiry, or like this offer expires in three hours, that kind of thing, as you're walking into right. the lows in San Francisco kind of thing. Um, so it really, like smart contracts really allow you to like very deep down to give that individual like, or customized level of service uh, to, 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 to consumers. So, so, but exactly, what is a smart contract? What does it look like? What features does it have? You know, just 
again, on a real basic level, because I've, I've heard the term, you know, put out there, but I don't know exactly what it means. What is it? Right. Okay. Well, it's kind of a hard one to uh, to do without getting too deep, I guess. Um, it is something that sits on there, and it is simply like lines of code. Um, okay. That it, actually think of it in terms of an IFTTT, if anyone knows the app, if this, then that. Um, okay. So if this situation, then do that. And that's what we use them for. I mean, the, the proper term okay. for it is, it, yeah, it facilitates and verifies and enforces any negotiation or any agreed upon outcome. So rather than, so there, there's multiple uses for smart contracts. So let's say getting rid of lower level lawyers or legal agreements, for example, if me and you make a bet on a, a race outcome tomorrow, for example, um, mm -hmm. we can put an assessed money into that. That can be written down as a smart contract. Uh, and then whoever wins, the money will then go to that person. It eliminates the need for a third party, for example. That's a very good basic way of looking at it um, that sort of everyone can relate to. It gets rid of the need for a, yeah, a, a third trusted party to, uh, to look over things. Uh, how we use it is, is yeah, with loyalty is to make it effectively make that point alive, depending on various different situations. It makes a decision saying, oh, yes, Sean is in this place and he hasn't done this for a long time or the shop is shutting in half an hour, um, so therefore double redemption for this, or Sean is going to this partner, um, we want you to spend your points, do this there, you know? Okay, so it's it's essentially a, um, a set of instructions that allow you to have complexity when people are redeeming points or when they should be offered points or, you know, offered X, Y, or Z. That's, basically, that's what you're saying. It's a, an automated way of, um, allowing for a complicated or sophisticated way of uh, of doing this. Yeah, complex set of rules will get written in there to, and the smart contract or the therefore point will act upon those complex set of rules. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of yeah, sense. Yeah. No, it's, uh, and it's 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 one of the and it's it's for me more exciting than blockchain really. Um, blockchains. Almost, I almost view it as a, a commodity. Um, once you've got that, it's what you can do on, the, on, a, on and above that. I mean, imagine these, these smart contracts. We've gone through some of these rules where I talked about the barbecue and Lowe's. Imagine having a machine learning element to your, uh, to your system where it can take all that data. I can't remember what the facts are, but is it something like 90-something 90, 90 percent of all the data in the world was created in the last two years? So we've got this phenomenal amount of data that we don't know how to read. Uh, so it, companies and operators have all this information. They're not doing what they should be doing with it. And that's where machine learning comes into it or artificial intelligence as well, which can decipher and learn and act accordingly. Um, all this information, machine learning can take it, understand, uh, learn about what you then value based on the information it's given and then write or effectively feed that information into these smart contracts which then will trigger depending on uh, depending on those different different rules that the machine learning allowed the operator to write so I mean, they can uh, it's it's phenomenal when you think about it wow okay wow. sounds like there's a lot yeah. more to uh to say about i know that's not that's beyond the scope of the interview but uh yeah it sounds like it'd be <laughs> yeah. very fascinating to talk more about that very cool All yeah right, um, really, really good stuff yeah just last last question or so so in the next three to five years, what do you see your company's effect being on 
the loyalty and reward and you know and point industry what do you think specifically is what are some of your goals what's going to happen well at the risk of sounding super arrogant um we definitely <laughs> want to become the loyalty platform uh for the world loyalty and rewards we actually see as almost our proof of concept it's the behavior incentivization that we're really excited about once we do get to that and that's something we're sort of even talking to and started to work on with dubai points in dubai with the government there incentivizing uh, tourists to go to various different spots based on what they value in a different way so it's not just simple transaction based rewards it's anything and everything incentivizing people to yeah live healthier uh pick up after the dog when they go to a park not not smoke for example working with health health companies or insurance companies is something we're already starting to do as well so beyond the scope of that 117 billion dollar loyalty market sort of uh, i mentioned at the start is the the health industry which is seven what's it seven trillion dollars it's just it is enormous once you get beyond just loyalty and and rewards so in where where i see us going is towards that Within three to five years, I definitely see us, us reaching that. I think this year, or 2017, we want to do these 10 pilots. We've almost already filled those up with I mean, large multinational companies. Um, we've done a number of pilots now already uh, and, and sort of been, been, been working with some, some big companies and continue to be in talks with some bigger ones as well, which, which has been incredible, the response in the last 10 months. I think prior to that, no one was ready to listen. I know one of the questions um, you mentioned before was what are the difficulties uh, in this right. industry? And, and understanding and adoption was definitely one of them. For the first, first probably year and a half of this company, no one wanted to listen. Um, really? It was, uh, yep, understand. Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, no, not really for me. Maybe come and speak to us another time. And then, yeah, probably the last, yeah, last 10 months or since, basically since the sort of clock struck midnight 2016, everything suddenly changed. Uh, and rather than us calling people, it was a lot of them calling us. Uh, there's been a, a huge amount of interest. Um, we're we're why definitely... Do you, why do you think that is? Why did, why did that happen I, all of a sudden? I don't know whether it was just them getting bored of us knocking on their doors constantly and suddenly realizing. I think people realized uh, blockchain... Uh, especially at first, there was a lot of misconceptions over blockchain and people thought of it just as Bitcoin. Bitcoin was it. Right, right. Struggled as well because none of the Bitcoin companies wanted to talk to us because we were more enterprise use focused. Uh, and then the enterprises didn't want to talk to us because they would just assume that you were Bitcoin focused, which obviously they can't use because it's permissionless. Um, right, right. So, so there was a lot of preconceptions and misunderstandings towards the start there. And then blockchain became more of a front runner in terms of press and media that was getting out there. We've also made, I mean, a real big effort to try and get get word out there. We've constantly knocking on doors and calls. Uh, so so did get our name out there eventually. And I, I think, I, mean, I, I swear it literally was, I, I had to stop, leave, leave the bar midnight sort of New Year's Eve and come back and work straight away because the phone started ringing that night kind of thing. Very, very strange. But definitely not going to complain about it. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. And then um, I just got one more question on future applications. Yeah. You talked about health specifically and getting people to have, for instance, healthier habits. Is there? Do you have a small or specific example of how that would work in reality? Yeah, actually, and the, what what gave me the uh, sort of the realization that it would work sooner rather than later 
is there's a there's a company in the tri-state area in New York uh, called Oscar uh, Health Insurance, and they do something uh, where you get a wearable uh, when you sign up, and mm. it's 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 definitely appealing to the upwardly mobile hipster tech trendy kind of crowd in New York. Um, right. So fairly wealthy. Uh, and the rewards you get for taking a certain number of steps per month, I think, is something like up to $20. So it's a nominal amount, but the response and uh, to the amount of the market share they've managed to grab since starting this a couple of years ago has been huge. Um, and I know they do it in a number, of other, another, sorry, a number of other countries as well. But the cost of being able to do that on the back end without using a blockchain and, again, smart contracts as well is, is really quite difficult. So that's what suddenly, that's when we found that, when we started to look this up, that's like, oh, wow, this, is, uh, this might happen sooner rather than later. And we've, uh, we've started working with, I mean, just recently, hasn't, hasn't been announced yet, but with a wearables company. Uh, and that's something we actually started the partnership in the Dubai Future Accelerator that we're part of. Um, and that, again, will allow us to approach health insurance companies or, or governments, for example, um, in order to help them incentivize their patients to, to act healthier. I mean, how much, especially in a, a sort of government-run medical medical uh, right. economy, how much is the government going to pay to stop you smoking quite so much or start you doing 500 steps a day rather than 200? So they'll, get, they'll save, let's say, $100,000 so you don't get ill quite so early or on or something like that that's going to be worth an absolute fortune to these guys um and it's a question of how much would they pay for now um so whilst not our not our sort of primary start definitely where we see ourselves going and interesting to see that it's happening now rather than later okay well very good um that's about all the questions i have is there anything else i should have asked you that i didn't I think that's pretty good. No, I mean it sort of it's it's difficult not to go too deep into it. So no, I hope I um yeah. I hope I hope I didn't complicate things or uh or brush over things without without going into it. So yeah, I mean if anyone wants to I guess learn more about it as well, please feel free to contact us. Our website's uh loyal.com L O Y Y A L and we're pretty active on uh, on social media, Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn as well. So we try to either respond to people very quickly or um or post any 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 and every bit of news we've got going out there. Okay, that's great. Well, I appreciate you being on the program. I think this is a really informative interview, so uh, that's very good. Thank you. Great. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.